So welcome back, everyone. I'll do my greeting, which I usually do at the beginning when I greet people back. <laughs> welcome back. Uh, for those interested, that's not traditional, just made up during the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so that's our that's our greeting. So I want to uh, express my my joy and my delight at welcoming my friend of. Uh, uh, quite a long time, many decades, uh, Yasir Chadley, to join us and to, for us really to engage in dialogue on a number of different themes related to uh, spiritual practice, related to our own experiences, related to the differences and commonalities of different traditions, uh, to how we bring our spiritual approaches to engagement in the world, and so forth. And I want to start with a, just a very brief introduction of myself and then a longer introduction of Yasir, and then we'll go right into our, our dialogue. And uh, maybe just to say that when Yasir and I were talking together, uh, we wanted to have our dialogue, this is the language that we use, to have our dialogue be part of a gathering of wisdom, love, and respect. Those were the words that we used. And so just a short introduction of myself. As probably most of you know, I'm a Spirit Rock teacher. I've been connected with Spirit Rock for uh, quite a number of decades. And a member of the Teachers Council for, uh, I think, since 2005 and teach on a variety of themes, both uh, very traditional themes of uh, uh, Buddhist practice, teachings from the Buddha, but also uh, looking for ways to uh, connect uh, traditional practice. Also, I have learned a tremendous amount from also particularly from the Tibetan tradition. And uh, to bring these more traditional teachings and look at how to live in the contemporary world. So a lot of interest in the intersection of uh, contemplative practice and psychology, particularly teaching on working with the judgmental mind, a lot on daily life practice, wise speech, uh, and also on connecting inner work with social engagement, social service, social justice work. Uh, and as I, as I often uh, mention, I've been very influenced by uh, connection with multiple spiritual traditions, including uh, Judaism, Christianity, indigenous traditions, and also Islam. So that by way of short introduction of me, and let me say a little uh, more relatively about uh, Yasir. So Yasir and I, I think, uh, must have met sometime in the 1990s at the Berkeley swimming pools. <laughs> this, is, this is where we met. Uh, Yasir uh, and I, as well, have a long connection with swimming. Yes, y yes Yasir was actually, it was interesting when uh, we were talking about, I think Barbara talking about the Olympics, Oli uh, Yasir was an Olympic swimmer for his native Morocco. And his family has sometimes been called the first family of Moroccan swimming. At one point, he held the uh, national record for the 100-meter freestyle. And, uh, and we, were both, we were saying that both of us were engaged in swimming long before we were engaged in, in spiritual practice although one could make the case that they're not so different. <laughs> anyway, and for myself also, I started competitive swimming around age 10. At one point, I have held records, but they were not national records. They were local age group records. <laughs> not bad, not okay, that's okay. And so um, we, we met in uh, the Berkeley pools and have had... Uh, discussion in the pools for years and years, sort of short, short spiritual discussions at times for, for many, many years. Um, and part of the reason Yasir is in this sort of transitional time is that he has just retired 
after many, many years of working for the Berkeley Pools. And there's a, a beautiful article which, uh, which is in the, uh, in the chat if you want to learn more. And has wonderful pictures uh, from many, many years of, of Yasir. So we've talked many times at the pools. We've also collaborated in different ways. I remember we were, you know, we talked together right after 9-11. We brought uh, Yasir together with an event in Berkeley with the Buddhist Peace Fellowship, reflecting on responses to 9-11. Uh, to so we can come back to that. So he has... Uh, been for a very long time a, a Sufi practitioner, and we'll we'll talk further about the nature of Sufism. And you know, generally, it's some, you know we can come back to this, but it's generally thought to be the one of the the dimension of Islam in in which there's a special emphasis on inner purification and you know uh, bringing in mystical dimensions. We can come back and see if that seems accurate, yes, here, but that's that's a general way to introduce. And, uh, and so Yasir has been uh, beloved at the pool, uh, a great uh, teacher, and I think the the term the, of being a lifeguard is a very wonderful one. <laughs> very interesting term. Uh, and, and maybe just a few other things to say that he has a mosque in... Uh, in Oakland, uh, near the Berkeley border, and he also has been a um, wonderful, tremendous musician. And if you look on YouTube, there is a great there are a number of recordings of Yasir, particularly playing uh, Moroccan and North African music, but really engaged in world music more generally. So, uh, someone of uh, multiple multiple talents and multiple backgrounds. So I want to welcome you, Yasir. It's uh, wonderful to to share our time now. And maybe to start, just to say a little bit about your own uh, personal background, uh, how you came to uh, become a Sufi practitioner, what that's meant to you, a little bit about Sufism, and anything more about your background that you'd like to share. Thank you, Donald. This is a beautiful setting. Um, I like to start by saying "Salam alaikum," means peace be upon you. And the answer is reverse: "Alaikum salam." So I will say it, and you can reverse it: "Salam alaikum." You said it, I didn't hear it, but it's okay. <laughs> Everyone said it, they're muted, but we, we can hear it. <laughs> so, um, my background uh, growing in Morocco, the difference between the ladies' world and the men's world was distinct. So when I was young, the ladies, they have at 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock, they have sweets, cafe latte, they make their own, bake their own things there, and they surround the living room, beautiful perfume and smells, and they wear beautiful attires. And then my mother, she calls me, come here, yes, here, yes, here. I come, she said, and I am just seven years old, she said, where do you come from? I say, from my father. That's what I thought I was, I was coming from. And they laugh. And then, one day I discovered that she gave birth to my brother. I said, you brought me here. I didn't come from my father. You brought me here. Why did you bring me here without asking me, would you like to come here, yes or no? So I can have a choice. I am here with choiceless. Why you didn't ask me? 
she said, I didn't bring you here. Allah sent you here. Now I become searching. Who is this Allah? And why did he send me here? So my search for that started then at that time. That's the journey. So I was always curious. How did I come here? Why was I here? How come I didn't have a, a question? Would you like to come here or choice? And I have no choice. So this journey started my curiosity about, about myself. And that is the link to, to Sufism from that journey. I started to search and search. Then I found out that uh, my family itself, my last name is written in French way, Shadli, but in Arabic is Ashadili, and it's the name of a Sufi order. So I already was surrounded by this Sufi order, Shadili. So I grew up in the Sufi family. And the Sufi family, you, you learn a lot from what my father learned from his father, from his grandfather, and everything was coming down like this. Then they add more to what you know. I remember I told my father, oh, why do you pray every day? You have to pray, you have to pray. For what? Look, those people, without any prayers or nothing, they already arrived to the moon. And you're praying for no reason. It's a waste of time. He said, oh, they arrived to the moon, but can they make the sun to rise from the west? Then I will follow them. <laughs> that was his answer. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't. I don't know what to say. So this is the journey, personal journey for me. Then gently, gently, I start to learn about the presence of now and why we are doing this. Then I see my father, whenever he enters the house, he enters with his right foot. And when he leaves the house, he leaves with the left. When he wears his shoes, he starts with the right foot first, and then the left. When he takes his shoes off, he takes the left and the right. Fine. Whenever he needs to cut his nails, he starts with the index. All these things he was doing, I started saying, why? He said, because I want to be present when I, uh, the present of now. I'm exercising to be present now. That's why I do it. Okay. When you do the first, the index of the right hand, why not do the thumbs? Because I heard that we are different than the monkeys because we have thumbs. He said, no, because if there is a, a criminal and we want to find, say, who did, who killed this? You point that one. <laughs> you point with this finger. <laughs> and he said, the little babies, they also, if they want something, they'll point to it. They say, da, da, da. Therefore, we start with that. And then he goes on the right side to the pinky and goes to the other pinky, go around, and then the last one will be the thumb. And he does it in a circle movement. Why? To be present, to say, now I am here, I'm conscious. Then, before he prays, he goes, he has this uh, bucket full of uh, water, and then he takes with the right hand the water, and then wash the left hand. Um, he takes with the left and wash the right hand three times, then the left three times, then the mouth, he gargles, go three times, the nose, he block this one, two like this, three times, three times this. I said, so why are you doing all that? He said, I, I am living in this body and I will be conscious of my body that I have. To be conscious of the, my body, and they said this, this is the first level of Sufism, to be conscious. And the first level of Islam, to be conscious of your body. I said, what's the, what's the wisdom behind it? He said, when you do wudu, 
It's called voodoo, W-U-D-U. We call it ablution. So what is the wisdom behind ablution? He said, when I break the ablution by, let's say I'm going somewhere, suddenly I had gas. When I have gas, I know I broke the, the ablution. means I have to do it again. And that's to make, to make you conscious. Also, if I went to the bathroom, and then Carly, you said something like a bio break? Yeah. yeah. Bio break, yes. Yeah, that was a good name. I was going to say, I'm going to go pee. <laughs> it doesn't sound good. <laughs> bio break, that has more respect. <laughs> so if you have a bio break, you broke the voodoo of your consciousness of your body. This is after you wash your hand, your mouth, your nose, your face, your upper arm to the elbow, this one to the elbow, your head one time and back, your ears behind your ears, your foot all behind your toes and everything complete. So you are aware when you break it. And that awareness makes you, makes you conscious of your body. And that's level one to be conscious of your body. Then number two, to be conscious of your heart. Now, this heart is like a hotel, and it has a, a door that, uh, you know, hotels, they have this uh, glass door that turns around. It has four. Four parts, yeah. Four parts. Yeah. And then around that heart, there are 70,000 thoughts that comes. And they come by group. And they enter the hotel, which is you. If they enter and you accept them, that you'll tell the mind, okay, we're going to do this. And then your whole body will act according to that thought that came in. There are four sections of these thoughts. They're all 70,000 that comes around this hotel. Spinning around, trying to get in. There's one section that has satanic or dark thoughts not good if you accept them inside then with your ego that marriage between that thought and that creates evil stuff your body will do something bad but if you kick them out from that revolving door then they will not affect you after they pass like this uh, seven uh 70,000 with four sections. There's negative ones, and there is your ego ones portion. Ego likes pleasures, uh, addictive stuff that it likes to insist on it. All kind of uh, desires and uh, uh, when you connect to something, you don't let go of it. You have a word for it. Uh, like in Buddhist practice, we would talk about uh, grasping or grab. Yeah. Grabbing or grasping something that your ego wants. Yeah. You don't let go of it. That, those thoughts are from your nafs, from your ego. That's the portion also. So, so the word, the word is, is naf? Yeah. Nafs. Nafs, yeah. N-A-F-S. Yeah. So the thoughts, we call it shaitanic thoughts or satanic thoughts that comes in, one portion, and then your nafs is another portion, and then we call it angelic from the angels, thoughts. Those are the ones that gives you inspirations, creativity, innovation, inventing, stuff like that. And then there is the divine thoughts. Those, when they come, they make you to disconnect with this uh, planet and whatever is in it, you connect with the creator. You only think about that. The, at that time, your main goal, if you have a target with the red spot in the middle, the target, that will be Allah is my target. And then you wish that Allah will accept you. And then Allah is not somebody like in the, our back subconscious, we think Allah is like a, somebody sitting on a chair or something like that with a white beard. That's the picture they have. And Allah has 20 attributes. First, 
the attribute of otherness. Whatever you think Allah is, it's not. It's other than that. Beside no beginning, no end, and has speech, and can hear, and can talk. Allah has 20 attributes that you, we have to know. Beside the hidden ones that are infinite. But anyway, those thoughts also, they come through us. So the four sections that makes 70,000 thoughts, they go around this hotel called your heart. And you have to be aware of them. Uh, Yasir, can I can yes. I jump in now and ask jump. something? Yeah, yeah. Because so, I was thinking of the parallels between these uh, four areas. In yeah. in uh, Buddhist practice, we would talk about uh, thoughts, uh, you know, emotions, in terms of uh, whether they are skillful or unskillful sometimes translated as wholesome or unwholesome, basically whether following them leads to awakening or following them leads to getting caught in uh, greed, hatred, or delusion, right? Yeah. And I think even the first one, what you're calling satanic, uh, yeah. Buddhist, Buddhist practice uh, would probably more focus on what is related to greed or hatred or delusion, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then, then the question it. is, um, you know, uh, how, you know, I think first you're talking about the need to learn how to be present, right? It's yes. To, to work with the, those four kinds of uh, thoughts. thoughts. You first need to know how to be present, otherwise you're just lost. It's very, yes. very similar in yeah. Buddhist practice, like in my instructions, we start with being less distracted being more stable so you can actually see what's there. And then the second, you know, main instruction is just to see clearly. And then if we were to give further instructions, we would say, okay, how do you work with uh, what comes up? How do you see what is good to uh, keep going? What is good to see and not give uh, nourishment to, not to feed, we might say. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes, and, and so then the breath. Yeah, so I was going to say, breath. how do you how do you work? You know, how do you how do you do both of those? Both the yeah. uh, becoming more present. If you would instruct someone, maybe at your mosque, how yeah. would you give instructions for practicing for both uh, the becoming more present and uh, working with the four kinds of thoughts? Yes, that's the practice of the heart, and yeah. also the breath in our. Uh, traditional knowledge, there are 124,000 breaths. Half are exhaling and half are inhaling. Mm -hmm. And to combat these things, they give you codes. Codes. Like the salam alaikum is a code of, of introduction and saying salam is one of the names of Allah. He has many names. But salam is one of them. It means peace. And alaykum means upon you. Peace be upon you. Salam alaykum. And then you answer alaykum salam. That's a code. So we have different codes for different situations. Let's say you told me, you tell me, uh, I'm going to see you tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow. And you stop there. So let's say you say, I see you tomorrow at the pool at 11. That's what we decided. I come to the pool, it's 11 o'clock, you didn't show up, and I'm still waiting for you. The feeling I'm going to get is disappointment, a little disappointment. He told me he's going to be here at 11, now he's not here, because we didn't use the code. Now, the code they give you for such thing like that, futuristic things, is to say after, I'm going to meet you tomorrow at 11, inshallah. That's the code, mm -hmm. inshallah. What it does, which means God willing, inshallah. What it does is, if I'm there at 11 o'clock, you don't show up, I have the inshallah saying, Allah has planned for him to be somewhere else. Therefore, I don't get disappointed. Because this is beyond you and me. It's something else. These are the codes that give you for every situation, there is a code. 
and you have to remember this code. You have a, it's like you are a mechanic and you have a bag full of different tools. For each situation, you bring the tool you have to fix that situation with that word. Yeah, it's These very, are the codes. Yeah, it's very beautiful. It's yeah. like uh, you have, uh, have all the codes which really uh, express wisdom and love, we might say. Yeah. And it's yeah. very, I was thinking of the parallels with uh, Buddhist practice. We might remember, oh, uh, remember equanimity and even compassion. Oh, my friend did not show up. Yeah. And I can notice what's going on in myself, disappointment, and I could bring mindfulness, be with the disappointment. Maybe I have some irritation and notice yeah. that. But then I could remember, I don't know what's happening. Let me, my practice is just to be balanced with whatever occurs. That's equanimity. And I can yeah. also bring in compassion. I don't know what has happened. Maybe something difficult. So I can go to my uh, kind heart. So it's like way, how to bring in that wisdom and equanimity and the kind heart moment by moment. Yeah. That's at the center. Yeah. 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 So we just have it in a nutshell. Inshallah. Yeah. It has all the stuff you said. <laughs> so, so we like to be in a, on a zero because the numbers, if you go from zero, one, two, three, four, it's, uh, it's endless going like that. Also from zero, you can go minus one, minus two, endless the other way. So... To be in that place called the zero is the place you you looking for to be in that place. If you get happy, you don't want to go far away. One, two, three is enough and you come back to the zero. If you are unhappy or something angry or something, you can go minus one, minus two, minus three, but don't stay far away. Come back to that zero place. That's the idea. Now for the advice, uh, a wolf was on the side of a river, and he looked at a camel on the other side. So he told the camel, Hey, you, how deep is this, uh, this river? The camel said, It's up to my knees. He said, Oh, knees. And then he went to swim. Then he started drowning. And he came back. He said, Well, he said, Up to the knees, said, I'm going to drown. He said, Not your knees, my knees. <laughs> I am higher. Mm -hmm. So we cannot take advice other people's needs and then measure them on ourselves. It has to be the right advice. Because we take advice from each other, we take knowledge from each other, but you have to have the right knowledge. And to do that, you have to have wisdom. Otherwise, you can drown like that wolf. You think that, that advice is good, but it's not good for you. It's good for the camel. The water comes to his knees, not your knees. So in this spiritual realm, we have to speak according to people's level. You can't give them something they cannot carry. They have to be generally, uh, uh, gradually get into that place through the workout. And they have all the Sufis, they have set the beginning, the intermediate, and the advanced. So at the beginning, they deal only with the body. How to be conscious with your body. And then, next level, you deal, you deal only with the heart. What should be in the heart? What your body should know, there are five pillars for your body. What your heart should know, there are six pillars. And then you can go to up the highest point is the level of the soul. And that level of the soul, there are two pillars. And that makes the Islam to go from one to ten. Mostly in the West, people, they only know the level one. And if they know anything about Islam, usually, when if you say the word Islam, people have a, have a, a reaction. They, they have a reaction from the subconscious that makes them to have like allergy. It's a scratching. <laughs> I don't like that word Islam. Because it's been carried by people who represented Islam in the wrong way. Because they're only at level one. Most of these people, we have experience with them. 
They are brainwashed to think everybody is going to hell except themselves. They're going to paradise. Once you get this brain working like this and their belief to be like that, those people at 9-11, or we have in Morocco some people the same way, when they ask them and they quote them, they say we are doing this for the sake of Allah and we are doing this because you guys are not true faithful to Allah kind of thing. So we had this French guy teaching uh, people at the airport in Morocco, telling them, we're going to teach you body language. If you see somebody sweating and moving like that, like that, you know that they're going to do something bad. We told him, this is your idea because you don't know Islam very well. These people, they're not going to sweat and be afraid and going like this. These are happy to die. <laughs> they're happy to come. They can't wait. They can see paradise already in their eyes if they do this bombing. So you're not going to detect them because they are smiling, happy to do something like that because they've been brainwashed them. And this happened between the Iranians and the Iraqis in that war between them. Now, in Iran, they gave this golden key and then put a green turban on 13 years old, 14 years old boys, telling them, you are going to paradise for sure. There is the key. So go ahead and die, and you'll go straight to paradise, and your family will be also going to paradise. That's how you lure people to, to do things like that. It means religion is very, very, very dangerous when it comes to that point. Yeah, and we were, we were talking yesterday about how it is important to know that one finds something very parallel in yeah. all traditions. Right. Yes. And right, you know, in the last period of time, there is what we call Islamophobia and negativity. Yeah. But you can find uh, you can find in the history of different religions, certainly you can find in the history of Buddhism, even happening yeah. right now in in uh, Myanmar or Burma. You can find, uh, you know, Buddhist uh, monks and Buddhist leaders who are connected with uh, with violence in in that country, you know, and I actually once did a, uh, uh, a long essay looking at the history of violence in the Buddhist tradition, and it goes back, and you can find yeah. a lot of examples. It's typically when it gets connected with state power, and you can raise question. I think this is what you were saying, that whether these people were just Buddhists in name or whether there was really much internal development, you, and I think that's what you're really saying that that is, yes. that is the case. And of course, we can see that in the history of Christianity. It's, you know, very, you know, goes back yeah. a very long yeah. way. So that's a, that's a reality, isn't it? Yes, that's why we, this Zoom, the benefit of it, is like a boat. Imagine a boat. It has upstairs and it has downstairs. Yeah. In the downstairs of that boat, there's people that likes to be there because it fits their, their ideas. There's a lot of stuff left by the, those people that gather a lot of stuff. What do you call those people? Uh, materialists? Yeah. No, no. A materialist and also the other one. Uh, consumers? Yeah. Consumers, uh, materialists, the other one that are, uh, it's uh, something uh, crazy. They get a lot of stuff in their house. They cannot get rid of them because they love them. Oh, yeah. What do you call those? They have uh, a name. Hoarders. Hoarders. Who said that? Yeah. <laughs> you won $10 million. <laughs> in, that, in that downstairs boat, it's dark. But it fits their mindset because they like darkness and it's interesting there because there's all these things that are left by holders, all those crazy stuff there and they like to dwell with those things. Their ideas are like that and they are downstairs of that boat. The one upstairs on the boat, they can see the blue sky, they can see the stars, they can see the water, they can see everything. 
they live in light, and the other one lives downstairs. Now, they're all in one boat. Like, let's say this earth is one boat, for example, or this country is like one boat. Now, these people downstairs, let's say they got thirsty. One of them who's got the idea coming to his heart, in his hotel heart, that said to him, look, you don't have to go upstairs to look for water. Water is right under your feet. All you have to do is dig a hole. If you dig a hole here, we can get the water. If that one get that idea and everybody else follow that idea, they will dig a hole there and the boat will sink with the people on top also sinking with them. World War One is just an idea that somebody dressed and make everybody to believe in it. And so many innocent people died. World War II, same thing. An idea came, they embraced it, they made it in their bodies, and they spread it around, and so many innocent people passed. Same idea is the boat. We, as people doing this Zoom and, and seeing things, we have to do, that's why activism is important. We have to stop the people from digging a hole at the bottom of the boat because we will sink with them. Yeah. and We have to stop them by, by clear wisdom and light and then to stop such thing, there are three levels of stopping. Level one, you can stop with your hand. Turn off the stove. You can stop with your hand. Level two, if you cannot stop with your hand, level two, stop with your word. Turn off that. Or put on, do not disturb. For example, if you cannot do this too, at least in your heart, you should be disgusted about it. You said, I don't like that. And that's the weakest place. Yeah. Therefore, yeah. This, was, this, uh, this Zoom and what we are doing, I am doing also, is for this idea, we have to keep going with it. We cannot just not get involved because they will dig a hole. Yeah, and then I'm thinking also of the, the value of uh, coming across different traditions. I was thinking of the um, example recently from uh, Texas, where there was yeah. the, um, the rabbi and others were taking synagogue at a, or taking yeah. hostage at a synagogue. Yeah. Yeah. And he had been doing a lot of work across traditions with uh, imam. And that, yeah. that person came and, you know, they spoke on behalf, yeah. right? And so yeah. the value of coming across traditions to, uh, to join together, I think very, very important right now. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And related to that, I was thinking of someone that we knew very well who used to come to the pool named Houston Smith. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, wonderful person. He was one of my teachers. And yeah. Probably some of you know Houston Smith. He was uh, a great teacher about the world's religions and a beautiful man. He died a few years ago in his late 90s. He, yeah. Again, one of my teachers. And his understanding was that all of the great um, religious or spiritual traditions of the world at their, uh, at their contemplative and mystical dimensions, they are saying pretty much the same thing. And he expressed that in a lot of writings quite, quite beautifully. And, you know, I used to be able to see him at the pool and we used to talk in the locker room and so forth. And you talked yeah. with him a lot because he came regularly yeah. to the pool. And, yeah. yeah, I'm wondering whether you agree with his understanding that we could say that the, the mystical dimensions of the world's traditions are saying something very much the same, if not identical. You know? Yeah. Do you see it yeah. that way? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I see that too. Uh, what a beautiful man. He used to come to swim, and I met him there at the pool. Um, I see also uh, things are, are uh, there is evolution. Every time 
you get a knowledge, somebody else brings a knowledge that is higher than that. For mm -hmm. example, long time, uh, people would not thinking that we can fly. If you tell them we're going to one day fly in the, with the airplane, they say, no, that's not possible. But people are now flying. So that means there's an evolution in whatever we are doing. Each, each group of, of uh, human beings, they bring something new. New. Uh, uh, maybe later, they'll have something that can make us fly ourselves without any airplanes. We may say, oh, it's not possible. But they did it in Star Trek, you know, beam me up. It could be possible for the next generations, and then we can look far away, that human beings are actually evaluating or evaluating or evolving or going to new places. And this should not be something that can make us to stick with backcord because we are going forward. And therefore, I cannot put everything at the same table and say, this is like this, and this is like that, and this like that. I'll say, no, this one was like this, and this, this one was adding to what is here, adding it here, and this one adding it there. And we're going forward, progressing, progressing. And I believe in progressions. And there are some pillars that you, that you cannot change them or progress them because they are set pillars. For example, to be honest, to be sincere, to be truthful. All these are pillars. They stay, stay where they are. But there is different innovations that different groups should bring to, their, to, the, to fit with time. No, because we have, uh, we have Zooms, and we have the cell phone, we have the iPhone, we have this is something different than the people before us. Because I remember when we didn't have any phone at all, if you want to speak to somebody, you have to meet them. Then the phone came and he was stuck. You cannot go somewhere. You have to put a, stuck on the, on the same place where the phone is. Now you can travel with your phone and you can sleep with your phone next to you and uh, has an alarm and has so many things. So there is a progression. So we cannot ignore the progression. We have to use what we have now and the Sufism, they say a Sufi is a person of his time or her time they live in the time right now what happened to the other people, they said no we, if we're going to leave this uh, Islam we have to go back to 7th century because those people, what they did that is real Islam and they, they missed the whole thing that is we are not 7th century, we are here now we have to be here and that's something uh, I like to share, to say, you no, know, there is new stuff and people can, can innovate and bring new stuff that can make us better even than before. Yeah, I, mean, I think the parallel to that would be I'm very conscious of bringing innovations into um, Buddhist practice, you know, to um, you know, some of the areas I mentioned to connect uh, traditional Buddhist practice with elements of... Western psychology, you know, psychotherapy, yeah. to make yeah. those connections. And it's, yeah. it becomes more of a dialogue back and forth, not yeah. one way or also to, uh, yeah, to say, how do we bring our ethical pillar? Like you were saying, we have ethical foundation, ethical pillar. How do we bring that into using new technologies? Yes. How do we do that? How do we bring, yeah. in Buddhism, we talk about right speech or wise speech. How do we yes. do that um, with electronic communication? Or, yeah. you know, I'm very interested with how do we bring the basic Buddhist practice into uh, areas of social justice, right? These are innovations where things mm -hmm. are being developed in the last maybe 100 years and now that it, where there is creativity, something yeah. new developing just to really to meet the needs of our time and to look at our own, okay, what are, what are my areas of uh, uh, conditioning, of confusion? How do I work with these? You know, and a lot of the ways that we are conditioned is different than it was 2,000 years ago or 1,000 years ago. So we need to yeah. have some, some different ways.
So I'm wondering, Asir, are you are you ready if we can open it up to uh, people in the group to ask anything or share something? No, that's the time for us. Yeah. This is the time. Yeah. yeah. So we'd invite anyone who wants to ask something of um, either of us or just ask a general question. Perhaps both of us could respond or, or share something that's important for you. And you can go, we can go to, again, I think the uh, raised hand function, either that or sending uh, a chat to uh, Carlita if, there's, if you'd like to do it that way. Or maybe to ask, you know, to to expand on something that uh, particularly that Yasir said. Yeah, I would, I would, for example, love to hear maybe sometime in the next period just something about your, you know, your teachers and you know who really influenced you. I think we can start now. We have uh, Nancy. Okay. Great. You're, yeah, you were unmuted. I think you're okay now. Okay. Um, Donald, a question for you. I'm a psychotherapist and I'm still practicing. Um, I was interested when you said some of the things, the ways that you'd like to see Buddhism expand. And many books are written about this, and I certainly use my years of Buddhist practice and the knowledge I have in my psychotherapy practice, but I would love to hear any of your thoughts about uh, the, the field of psychology and psychotherapy and the, how Buddhism can uh, be important in yeah. that. Yeah, thank you, Nancy. It's a, it's a big question. And, yes. <laughs> and I, I, uh, I, I'd be, I'll be brief. Um, I like to think of it as something like a dialogue occurring. And people take different approaches. Some people, some psychotherapists, try to integrate uh, contemplative practice. It could also be Sufi practice. There, there are Sufis bringing also connecting with psychotherapy. So some really want to um, make uh, connections. That's what I do. Like when I work with uh, uh, working with the judgmental mind, I integrate elements of Buddhist practice with understandings from Western psychology. Particularly valuable is the way of pointing to how we have uh, what we call limiting beliefs that often come from childhood, that were set up in childhood that are very dominant for almost all of us and that are typically unconscious. So I bring that in, but then I use different methods to access that including mindfulness and including using uh, heart practices like compassion, loving kindness, and so forth. So some people want to integrate. Some people will bring in some Buddhist practice into psychotherapy in a small way, like with bringing in mindfulness, learning how to be present more easily. Part of the dialogue also, and maybe last thing I'll say, part of the dialogue also is what is the purpose of our psychotherapy versus what is the purpose of our spiritual practice. You know, and, you know, we can go back to uh, Dr. Freud said that the purpose of psychoanalysis an analysis is to be a well-balanced neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm being fair there. I think he said that. And, and the purpose of spiritual practice is usually taken to be, to use uh, Yasir's metaphor, to be a few steps further, right? And, uh, you know, the purpose is awakening. Purpose is enlightenment. Purpose is to be full of wisdom and love. So it really is looking what are the aims of psychotherapy versus what are the aims of spiritual practice. And, of course, some psychotherapists want to have awakening or enlightenment as the aim when they do psychotherapy, but that's very different. You know, and then there's some spiritual teachers who are psychotherapists who say, we have to keep these very separate, right? And not try to, so a lot of different approaches. So I hope that's a good, in, a good starting point. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Who is next, Carlita? 
Yes, Cindy has her hand up next. Okay, great. Hi, Yasir. I'm so glad you're here. Um, the question I have is my ideas of Sufism has been about Sufi dancing. And I wondered if you could say something about that. So I just, that's how I have thought of Sufi. I love everything that you've said so far, but I just would like to hear something about that, if you can say anything about it. The Sufi movement started with uh, a lot of people, but they didn't have it organized. When, when Rumi came and they were discussing which one carries who? Does the body carry the soul or the soul is carrying the body? They were talking about this. And then Rumi wanted to tell them that the soul is the one that carrying the body. That's why when somebody dies and we carry the body, it's heavy because the soul is not there. It's really heavy. And I had experience with that. So he stood up and to show them that the soul is carrying the body, he spinned. When he spinned, he lifted from the ground. Rumi. He lifted and spinning and he proved to them that the soul is the one that carries the body. Or he wants to say to them, your real identity is not your body. Your soul is who you really are. Because the body is like a baby and it becomes a teenager, it becomes this age, it keeps on changing. What's real never change. It stays the same. That's how our identity. So he spun that way and from it came the twirling dervishes. They spin like that. But none of them has been detached from the ground except Rumi. <laughs> their, their ego is heavy. <laughs> And when they came here to America, there was a section of people that do the spiritual dancing. They free it from the, 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 the discipline of dancing, the Mavlevi, or we call it Maulawi dancing, which they have, uh, uh, everything is dis disciplined. They did it in, a, in an American way with the Sufi Sam, very famous Sufi. He's buried in, uh, I, I visited his tomb. He's buried in uh, New Mexico, there. And then followed him, there is a Shabda Khan. And they play guitar like this and they sing around, La ilaha illallah. They have, we call ilahis. But they move their bodies. And that's different than the uh, prescribed one from right. Rumi. Right. That's different. Yeah. Thank you. You're Thank right. you very much. Thank you. I, I think it's helpful also to add that uh, the most popular poet, the poet whose books are bought the most, is an Islamic poet named Rumi in the United yes. States. That's important to remember. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Next we have Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Donald. Hi, Yasir. I just enjoyed this so much. Um, I'm just so appreciative to hear what you've shared. Um, it's really touched me. And I'm wondering if there is a book that you can recommend to learn a little bit more. This is for Donald? Um, this is for you, Yasir. Oh. I think a book, uh, maybe a book on Sufism and Sufi practice. Yeah, I'm just really touched by what you've shared, and I'm curious to learn more. There is this book here. That's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> it has, it's, yeah. Like, can yeah. you show that again, Yasir? Show yeah, that up, yeah, show it again. <laughs> up to the screen. And the name is... Kashani. Kashani? Yeah, Kashani. Kashani. He, he, he covers all the Sufi stuff. It's a big book. But you don't have to go through this book. Um, that's because it's in English. Most of the book I read, they're all in Arabic. Because 
the translation sometimes one page in Arabic becomes three pages in English. They need a lot of words to, to say a few words. Therefore, I never read the English stuff. I need only the Arabic and I speak English to say what I am reading. But there is tons of books about Sufism. Yeah, how how would you how would you say? Um, I mean, again, many of us have read Rumi. Is that that yeah. that doesn't give the history, but that can give no. some of the spirit. Yeah, yeah, the spirit. If you want to start for, I can't right now in my head to say, but um, I I have some I have some things I know. Uh, I think the poetry of Rumi also Hafez. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah there, there, I, one book, uh, it's old, but I think it's, it's pretty good. It's uh, by uh, Anne-Marie Schimmel. It's called uh, yes. the, the, the Mystical Dimensions of Islam. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm curious about. I was really curious about how you described the quadrants of the heart and, um, and this concept of zero and you know, just understanding yeah. those basic um, yeah. is really interesting. So. Yeah, and there is also the concept of the soul. Where does the soul live? Yeah. Uh, they say the soul lives in a, in a, a giant, biggest than you can imagine, a funnel, like a funnel, but an organic funnel. And that funnel has holes in it like the beehive. You know the beehive? Mm-hmm. And so the funnel is way open in the top and get narrow, narrow, narrow at the bottom. The one that are on top are in the open place, more light. The one under, they like to be in that place. In the middle of the funnel, all the milky ways and everything are little dust in there. And then when the soul comes in the body, not the whole soul, it's just one ray from your soul comes to your brain. That's what gives you ideas. That's why when we saw people that are holy, we saw the halo around their head. That halo, if you follow it with your eyes, you'll see it going all the way to where their place is on the funnel. Mm. That's the souls. And there is more to say, but with the, I don't want to take too much time. Okay. So beautiful. It just I mean, thank you so much for you're welcome. You're welcome. And maybe, Yasir, you can consider a, a short book that you write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my books are alive people that I teach. Yeah. They, carry, they carry what I want because yeah. writing books is uh, uh, tons of books. A lot of books, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I like live, live book. Okay. Somebody said, I learned from Yasir this. That's a good book. That's a good book. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, next we have Mary. Welcome, Mary. Uh, Thank you. I am so excited to be here. This is my first time with Spirit Rock. Thank you, Donald. And um, I am so delighted to to see you and hear from you, Yasir. Um, I have been, in my own way, my husband and I following um, Hasrat Anayat Khan yes. for um, 15 years now and yeah. um, practicing through that tradition. We uh, do still study with Douglas Klotz, who does the Dances of Peace, yes. um, and came from Sufi Sam. Yes. So um, it is. it has so... Um, enriched my psychotherapy i'm 74 still doing it because i can't stop because my heart is so full and um people are so responsive to it it's amazing the the heart is truly the center and um i am really enjoying what i'm hearing from you i'm going to look for a website for you i am (laughs) I'm going to see if I can ever get to your mosque. I am just thrilled, and I will be saying thankful prayers to Allah for you. Thank I mean, I mean, I mean. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mary. And Yasir, do you have um, 
I, I know you have a lot of uh, music and talks on YouTube. Do you have Do you have a a website? No, I I only my wife has a, a Facebook. Yeah, Khadija Chadley Facebook, and if you want to be her friend, then you can see she puts all the stuff that I do. Okay. And that's what's spelled uh, K-H-A-D-I-J-A-H. Right. Yeah. Khadija yeah. Chadli. And Great. you just ask to be her friend and then you can see she, she is the one who puts all the stuff I do. Great. Um, anyone else? Or Carlita, is there any question from the chat or any sharing from the chat? Uh, just a kind request to please bring Yasir back again in the future. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because uh, this is an ocean of knowledge to speak, but it adds to what we know. You add more. And that's how we progress. And then we can stop the people from putting a hole at the bottom of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> that's what my concern is. Then we, we have to... Uh, very much uh, do it together. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love the connections across traditions. Really, really so crucial right now. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe let's, let's finish. Um, I had, uh, I had words that we brought, that we uh, came up with when we were talking together, Yasir, maybe yeah. as a way of ending. We yeah. said, uh, love is contagious, more contagious and powerful than COVID. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so um, maybe uh, do you want to have some, just a final word uh, before, we, before we finish? Yes, sir. Yes, uh, the, the question of, uh, about love. Sometimes people say, why do people always uh, love you? What do you already do it? I said, I'm not doing anything. But you can take this example. If you go to the mountains and there's an echo, if you say, I love you, you hear back, I love you. If you say, I hate you, it comes back, I hate you. Hmm. Whatever you put out there is going to clash back on you. So be loving and say, I love you. Even inanimate things will love you. After I left the pool, the pool broke down. I was not happy that I... It's still, it's still closed because it didn't like that I left because inanimate things are also aware because I used to pray there. I used to repeat uh, the divine words. Uh, people, they do laps, physical laps, and I do laps with this. Each one for me is a lap. And I do thousands of them while they're swimming. I'm watching them, but I'm doing my spiritual lap. So if you do that, even inanimate things will love you. Ants will love you. Fish in the ocean will love you. Everything will love you because you're sending I love you to these mountains. Mountains are people. If you send I love you, they say I love you too. That's, That's one, my last. One, wonderful, Yasir. And what Yasir said is true. Um, our local pools, uh, shortly after Yasir retired, after so many years, uh, one of them, we have two pools, and one of them, the, it, uh, the mechanisms broke down and are still not fixed. Maybe today we'll help them come back. Yes, I mean, I mean. That's we, will, we will hope that. And I should say, I don't yeah. know if I tell you how much I tell you, Yasir, but when I swim my laps, uh, I do loving kindness practice the whole time. I do one being, one lap. Yes, yes. <laughs> and we talk about yeah. that, I think, some. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And, yeah, that's true. And I think that's also true. what you're saying about uh, really connects with our own practice, which is that when we know what's happening, we have to know what's happening in the present moment because whatever is there and we nourish gets stronger whether it's being yeah. aware, being present, being loving, being wise, or whether it's being um, greedy, having hatred or delusion. And so that's really the, our practice is moment to moment. Whatever, yeah. whatever we have in our hearts and minds, we want to see it and we want to invite the 
positive qualities and see the negative ones and somehow not feed them anymore. That's the entirety of our practice, isn't it? Yes. And, and we can go across traditions and say it in a very simple way like that. And so may our, may our time together, may our discussion, may our sharing, may, uh, may our practice, may it be beneficial to everyone here. May it be beneficial to all beings. Amen. Yes. So thank you so much, Yasir. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Carlita. And if you want to uh, unmute, you can uh, you can just uh, share anything you'd like to share. But let's yeah, let's do our bye bye. Thank you. 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 Till next time. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week. Thank you, Carlita. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Carlita. My pleasure. Take good care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.